0: Hi everyone, I'm Amy from the Agency and you're listening to Yenta Tells All. Today my guest is Jessica Shochet and we're going to be talking about the history of Jewish matchmaking and how dating works in the Orthodox Jewish world. Jess and I grew up together and in our teenage years Jess began her journey down a much more religious path than her upbringing and the likes of most of her friends, aka me. She got married at the age of 22 to a rabbi and now has two gorgeous children. I'm so excited to have Jess join me today and set the record straight on a somewhat exclusive experience that many have preconceived ideas about.
1: Hey Jess! hi thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to be here
0: so jess i think the first thing we need to do is bring everyone up to speed and just dive straight in get down to business first question i want to ask you is can you explain what the Shidduch system is and talk us through your experiences your friends experience and sort of your knowledge of how it works
1: yeah so basically the Shidduch system is um a way of people meeting through really clear minds. They know what they want in a, in a relationship and it's not where you see someone and you're really physically attracted to them and you go out with them and then six months down the line you realize that you have really different values. Like I was reading this somewhere, I think in a magazine, that the the girl and guy, were they were really serious, they were going out in a specular world And six months down the line they had a discussion and the girl was saying she wants to have kids and the guy was saying he doesn't want to have kids. And it's like you realise then that you have completely different values and goals to each other. So the shirukh system is trying to avoid all of that. You know from the start what you want in life and you only get matched up with someone who has the same values and goals as you. And it saves a lot of hurt and it keeps it really clear and logical and only then once you're, you know, you realise that you have the same goals, can you then develop a relationship.
0: Right. Totally get you. Totally hear that. So how do you know when you're ready to enter the system? You know, I I think a lot of people not that I'm speaking on behalf of everyone, but I think that a lot of people hear that a lot of Jewish people get married very young and you hear of you know girls getting married at the age of 18. And I think in the modern society that we live in, it's becoming more and more normal for women and people to get married and settle down older. So how do you know when you're ready to enter the system, who decides that like, is it still at such a young age of 18 or have things changed with the times as well?
1: Yeah so it's definitely changed because you know you can be firm and have a career too and you can want a lot of things for yourself too. It's very different in different circles like some more Hasidic circles where maybe girls don't necessarily want a career again that's a generalization but then they might want to get married at a younger age. Um, It's so individual and really like it's not a pressurized thing. You know when you want to get married when you know yourself. I really believe um, that you can only get married when you know yourself and you love yourself. And a lot of people think that relationships will fix your problems. You know, like you hear people say, like they've broken up with someone, they have to find a boyfriend straight away. But that's, it's not fixing your problems. You need to know how to be on your own. And and in the religious world, you're on your own for your whole life. You get to know yourself, you get to know your values and what you want in life. And you get to know the important things. And once you know that, you'll and you have a desire to meet a guy, then you'll start dating and you'll be really clear in your head. And that's why I think the system's really cool. And so,
0: as cool as it is, I also hear that people, when you enter the Shiller system, you have a dating CV. Now, talk to me, what is this about dating CV? Like, how do we feel about this? What, what, what is a dating CV? What do you have on it? What information do you put on that?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you really do actually have a dating CV. It's called a resume. So yeah, it's, it's quite funny. And it it can seem a bit cold that you're reducing a person to a piece of paper. But really, it's just like an initial thing to get to know a person. Um, So like, you know, if someone's trying to set someone up with someone, they'll look at the piece of paper, and they'll say, okay, you know, they really want, um, like a rabbinic position in their life, and the other person may not want that. So they know straight away without having to date, that that person's not for them. Like, it's just a clear way of saving time, saving hurt, and just getting that initial information about a person, and then you might call other people and, like, get to know about their personality. It's just a way of of not getting people upset and hurt and not having to go on loads of dates with someone that's really not compatible for you.
0: But on that, do you not think that sometimes people change? So when you start dating in the shidduch, system let's say you're 20 and you're like I want to start dating and you go on dates and you start dating guys or girls and then sometimes you know you change what you want like maybe you decide I now would like to move to Israel so that opens up the pool a bit more of people that you can date like do you not think it might be like quite a strict and like limiting way of dating if you eliminate people who maybe you would have an amazing connection with them and then that would make you think like oh, now I've met them and I'm getting to know them and I connect with them, it opens up your eyes a bit more or like
1: not? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. and I And that's exactly the point. What you're saying is that, let's say your example that someone decides maybe only like once they get to know someone, oh yeah, I could maybe move to Israel. The point is, is that you have it really clear in your mind what your strict principles are that you're not willing to compromise on. For example, I'm not willing to compromise on not keeping Shabbat. So I just would never be set up with someone who doesn't keep Shabbat because it just won't work. But if like I'm a bit flexible about where I live and I might move countries, then yeah, I'd be set up with someone. It typically wouldn't change like halfway because the point is, is that you know your values. But yeah, people do change in life and, you know, you have things that you're willing to be flexible on. But then you also have your absolutes that are really important to you. Yeah,
0: and I even see that through the agency and people that sign up. And you know, there are some things that people are just like, no, no, it's my absolute non-negotiable, and I do have to respect that. Even though sometimes I like to go a bit rogue when I'm making matches, because you just don't know what can happen when these people meet. And interestingly, a few years ago, I worked with um, a girl, and she was Jewish. Girl was on loads of the dating apps, swiping, swiping, going out, on lots of dates and meeting people. And I said to her, "What's your age limit?" on the dating app and she's like, oh no, I wouldn't date somebody younger than me. And I was like, I'm telling you, make it so you can date somebody younger than you, change your settings. Anyway, she changed her settings and she went on a date with a guy who was a year or two younger than her and they are now married. And you know, it's just quite an interesting way that sort of like a dating resume in the Shidduch system and the religious Jewish orthodoxy world is sort of like a dating profile on an app and on a website and you can adjust those things. And it means that you then can, be suggested to other people or like other people can come up on your apps which can sort of widen your search do you know what I mean
1: yeah totally and you know like the resume isn't like your be on end or like people know you like it's not like some random person that you've never met is just going to suggest people friends and family who know you and know so much more than the resume can suggest so that happens all the time what you said about changing your your age limit like that's such a normal thing and you can adjust it as time goes on but Like I said, it's people and family and friends, they're normally the ones that are pulling out suggestions for you to maybe a third party matchmaker. And um, yeah, you have that flexibility.
0: Okay, so let's go back to the shitty system. Now, tell me what happens on dates? You know, how, how a date, how the dates work? Typically in the more secular world, I mean, I know through the agency, like the first date that we do is like, you go to a bar or a pub for a drink um and obviously ideas can get more creative from there so how does it work in in the sugar system and how how do dates happen
1: well it's very similar to how it happens in the agency you go to like maybe not like a pub but you go to like a quiet bar like in a hotel or maybe a restaurant if you fancy and you have a chat and it's a really normal date it's just getting to know each other but you maybe you're not scared of like getting into nitty-gritty topics maybe not on the first date but maybe like the second or third you're you're able to talk about real things because you're not just dating for a relationship you're dating for marriage so you might talk about you know kids or where you want to live things like that you you have real conversations and you you really get to know each other on a deeper level we don't typically do activities like bowling and or cinema where like you literally don't speak to each other when you go Mm -hmm. on dates it's hours of you know deep talking and just getting to know each other
0: okay and then what about what's the situation with can you date more than one person at a time I mean I know I've had such a hard time deciding with the agency to offer one person two dates, you know, in one round. And I struggle with it morally more than anything, like, you know, is that okay for me to do that? And I got to a point where I was just like, you know, I decided it was the right thing for the business and for the people that were signing up, that there is occasions where a guy or a girl is offered two first dates. What's the situation with the shitter system? Can you go on like two first dates in the same week? Or are you limited to only dating one person at a time?
1: Yeah, like I've never heard of anyone in the Shidduch system going on two dates at a time. Um, I could be wrong, but I've never heard of that. And it, and you said the word limited, but I don't I don't view it view it as limited. I, I get what you're saying about the business, and but you've got to remember, like religious people are dating to get married, so it's a respect thing. And you're looking into this girls like a real or guy guys a real serious marriage life partner. You're giving them like your full attention and chances and I just think it's a bit disrespectful and you know you might start like comparing and not being focused and it's yeah it's just not the done thing as far as I'm aware
0: yeah no I I did think that but um, I guess in the more secular world of dating you know people date multiple people and it's very normal um, and it's something that actually you know there's pros and cons to it I had a situation where a guy had signed up to the agency um, and he went on a date and it and he then told me afterwards like we had a good time but i'd been dating another girl we had been on three or four dates and it really made me realize how much more i was into her and it made me really want to focus my attention on that so there are pros and cons to multiple dating and it's a really interesting topic actually but I totally hear you know when you're in the shitter system and you're dating to marry somebody it sort of makes sense to sort of make sure that you're focusing on that one person and that one relationship and seeing where that goes as opposed to being like oh yeah I've got five first dates this week yeah exactly. so yeah no, I know I I hate you I get you, you. it's I'm an a-
1: interesting one
0: Yeah and then I think a really interesting question for you and think something that there probably are a lot of preconceived and misconceptions on this one is how long do people typically date for before they get engaged?
1: Yeah so again it varies so much you know it depends on really the individual more than anything like it depends you know in the more Hasidic circles maybe like three to six dates but in the circles that I'm in, the more mainstream orthodox circles, it could be like three to six months, but again remember like you're really clear in your mind, your mind about what you want and you know that the person that you're going out with has hopefully the same goals and values, so you're really clear on that, so you're just trying to build a connection and you're trying to figure out do I actually like this guy, is there attraction and that's so important to mention because you should like you know be in love with the person that you're marrying Um, and if that doesn't happen no one's forcing you to get married and you shouldn't get married but as an individual it's totally up to you to decide when you want to get married but the dates you go on you know like I said you're talking for a long time so you know, like in Love Island, when they're together for like two weeks and they come out in a really serious relationship and everyone's like, well, it's only been two weeks, but they've spent every single day together. So in the world, like you spend hours and hours talking and talking and like really getting to know each other. So it's kind of similar to that.
0: Yeah, I do hear what you're saying, but I think a lot of people would argue that until you go on holiday with somebody or until you live with somebody, you don't really know them. And so I think a lot of people think, that, you know, it's a bit crazy to sort of get married to somebody or get engaged to somebody after so- such a short period of time, because do you really know that person? Do you really love that person? And obviously in Love Island, I totally hear you that they're spending so much time together and whatever, they're chatting and stuff, but they are essentially like living together. And when you're dating, you know, in through the shitter system, you, you obviously on you're going out on dates and you're spending hours together, but you're not really, you know, l- understanding how each other work and like you know what they're like to live with Do you know what I mean
1: yeah no I totally get you like a lot of people say the first year of marriage is the hardest because you're living with someone you've never lived with before but in terms of like love love always grows love something that you you want to always grow that's what we, we aim for with that but yeah you a lot of a lot of religious Jews come from similar backgrounds similar values and things like that but yeah you you know like if someone doesn't put the toilet seat down, you're not going to, like, divorce them. Like, we really believe in working <laughs> on your marriage and, like, trying to... You do your research about serious stuff, obviously, like, if someone's got anger issues or, like, a temper, like, you find, hopefully find that out before. I'm not saying the system's perfect, no system's perfect, and that is probably a downside of it that you maybe don't really know because you haven't lived with them, but you try and find out as much information Um, beforehand and when you're with them and you know like little things like habits you just try and work on and you put up with because you know you've chosen to marry that person and you view you view marriage as a lifelong commitment that you're working on together
0: yeah it's really interesting and and actually, in, in relevant to that, m- getting married and stuff, some, it happens quite quickly. And people could be, you know, meet somebody, get engaged, and be married within a couple of months when you're dating through the shitter system. And actually, COVID's been a really incredibly emotional and difficult time for weddings and brides, um, just generally in the whole world. But I think it's worth making people aware that in, you know ultra orthodoxy um couples who are dating they they literally cannot touch each other until they get married they cannot live with each other they can't really properly be alone until they're married and i think that this period has been you know incredibly difficult for that community and in terms of making that decision of like do we just get married in our garden with our immediate family with the 15 people or whatever the rules have been over the last couple of months because essentially like their lives can't really begin until they're married because, you know, the Jewish law states that there's a lot of things that you can't do with your partner until you get married. And, you know, it's I think it's been a really interesting time seeing how people have decided to go about it. I mean, personally, one of my best friends, is very religious and she was meant to get married in Israel back in June and her and her fiance decided that they were going to have basically a garden wedding. um, in August, because they didn't want to wait any longer, um, because, you know, there was so much that was holding them back from really, you know, just being married and, and having their lives together Um. And so I think that's a really interesting um, thing that's happened with COVID and, and some people have had to make tough decisions about not really having the wedding that they had dreamed of and reinventing a wedding for themselves and a new dream for them because this has changed it. You know, Jew- Jewish people usually have huge weddings. Jess had a massive wedding. How many people were at your wedding?
1: Oh my gosh. I was so overwhelmed at my wedding. Honestly, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> it was like 400 <laughs> people at the cup or something ridiculous or 500 people. Okay. at the cup. But I was just so I do not even remember it. It was a blur. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really I interesting remember. what you say. It's so true. I never actually I mean, obviously, because I work in makeup, I, I I did see some of the people who were doing back garden, 15-people weddings. And you know what? A lot of them just really wanted to be be married because for them, getting married means that you can live with your partner. You know, so much changes in the Orthodox world when you get married. Um, you're living with a brand-new person who you've never lived with before. You've never lived with the opposite sex. Like, you've never touched another man. So it's all really crazy and exciting. So for them, yeah, it's really sad, but, but marriage is more for them than just the wedding day like even even though that's sad and a lot of people do want that big celebration yeah they do choose to go ahead with that and it's so special that that that's the only person that they've touched and they're starting this journey together and it just heightens sensitivities and it's exciting it's really exciting for them
0: okay so i now want to talk to you about a shadhan and what a shadhan is and what role do they play um just other ways of sort of explaining or using the word child hun is they are also a yenta, a matchmaker, um, but old school and you know, in the sort of more religious way and in and wild as opposed to how I'm playing matchmaker, I guess, through the agency. So, yeah, can you talk us a bit through that? and how they are really important, sort of, through the dating system, and and what they do, and their role.
1: Yeah, so like you said, like, you're the sharkhan for the agency, that's basically what a sharkhan does in the religious world, so it's normally someone who just has that really good intuition, and, or it could just be, like, a cousin, a friend, someone that knows you, and it's like, hey, I have a really good match for you, like, it, it really doesn't have to be this set person, but oftentimes, that person will just have that that role as finding out information about a person and thinking, hey, you know, I'm looking at their resumes, like you look at people's resumes and you have that conversation with them like the Shadkhan would, and thinking, yeah, I think this is a really good match. I think that they'd go really well together and she'll find out if the guy or the girl wants to date the other person if they're ready um, You know, what sort of things they like and call family, friends. So it, it's literally like what you do. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, like sort of agree and disagree. I think from my knowledge, Ashad hunter is like a lot more involved in terms of when when the dates happen. And after the dates, they always speak to the guy and the girl and they sort of get feedback and try and like they're a bit more involved than I am, I guess, because with me, I obviously make the initial setup and then I check in with everybody after the date to see how they are. But like part of the agreement and rules with the agency is that they have to communicate with each other after the date. So I don't really get involved in terms of like, you know, having that conversation or sort of negotiation on like how, how it's going and continues to go. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the more, you know traditional Shida system world, the Shadhan's more involved in, um you know, all the way through the dating process and they're sort of that mutual person that they both can speak to as it goes on and any, like, you know, concerns they have and stuff like that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, no, you are right. You're right. Like, thanks for for pointing that out. Um, It does depend, like, in a, a lot of circles, like, the more mainstream circles, the sharkham will sort of be dropped once they're, like, quite keen on each other and pretty mm. sure that things are moving quite well. But definitely, okay. usually, after, like, the first few dates, they'll address them with concerns or like oh can you find out a bit more or is she interested and it just takes away that awkwardness or upset that the other person may have or any concerns um mm-hmm. but yeah she's the Shah Khan is involved as much as you really want her to be
0: um I think I want a Shah Khan so if anyone yeah. wants to be
1: my battery, by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously. Like, there's there's a shark- there's different shadkans for all sorts of people. Like, there's shadkans for like totally secular people, modern orthodox people. It's just like it doesn't have to have this stereotype of this like like you said like this old yenta woman who like gets involved in your whole life. It can really be so many things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I
1: do think
0: that it is more normal in the religious Jewish world to have a Shad Khan when you're ready to date it's like a done thing that you would go to somebody and they would start matching you up I think we obviously live in a really modern world where you know most people are meeting their other half through dating apps and that's how sort of young Jewish people are dating at the moment and not even just Jewish people just generally like how the new generation young generation are dating I think that part of the reason why I wanted to start the agency was because I think that it is lacking slightly for the more secular Jewish community and it's not sort of something that's no one's got it quite right yet for us I think that there's a really interesting you know dynamic in terms of getting Shad Khan's involved and matchmakers involved and I think I'm hoping that the agency is sort of going to be a business and a and a way that it bridges the gap between you know that official quite you know formal way of matchmaking but also you know the whole blind dating aspect brings in a bit more fun to it and it's just also just giving people the opportunity to be introduced to each other um so yeah, yeah. I do hear what you're saying and, and maybe I will find myself a matchmaker
1: one and day is a blind date by the way for most people like oh a lot they of don't times know who each other it, are. well no they they'll know the name maybe but a lot of them don't have social media or whatever and sometimes mm-hmm. they haven't necessarily seen a picture like it's so variable in different communities like i really can't generalize but like mm-hmm. you know like my friends like normally the parents have like seen pictures and then they'll show the kid like oh do you like the look of that person so maybe they've seen a picture but they've definitely never like whatsapped or spoken on the phone or anything like that typically like unless mm-hmm. they're in like a different country or something I don't know but yeah usually the first time they meet is in person and I think sometimes um you know when you whatsapp someone loads before you've met them it can be a bit disappointing when you meet them if you have this sometimes if you have this idea of them in your head and then like the body language isn't quite right or they're not really as attractive as their picture or whatever it is so I think there's something really refreshing about meeting someone for the first time in person and I and I think you get that feedback from people don't you in your in your agency like people think it's a really refreshing nice different way
0: yeah 100% I mean in terms of the whole blind date aspect that's been like the most positive part of me setting up the agency and Um, I think people are really enjoying that excitement of not knowing who you're meeting. And I think it's just a new it's actually sort of a new thrill. Um, And obviously, you know, I would I would hope that there are people that are generally meeting somebody through the agency. and, And thankfully, so far, I'm a few months in and I have some really cool success stories. But I think even more so it's just getting people out there and dating and doing and trying a new experience and I think that's something that is a success in itself and something I'm really proud of that I'm giving people an opportunity to try something different and just like being able to introduce people to each other I think that we the irony is we live in such a social world and social media and all this stuff going on and you know even without COVID I think that you know the way people socialize ha- is changing and has changed, and people aren't as confident as they used to be to just like go to a party and, and ask somebody out or ask somebody like just chatting to people in general. So, yeah, I think that is definitely something that's a benefit. So, Jess, tell me, um, how much does a shadhang cost? Um, is there a price to get a matchmaker? How does this sort of payment work?
1: You know what? That's like a really hard question for me because I didn't go down that traditional route, but like, for example, Dovi, who I mentioned, my husband, who I mentioned, set his cousin up, so his cousin's parents gave him, like, £500 for suggesting this boy who he went to school with, so that's really cool, so, like, you can get maybe, like, and and the other side got £500, like, the official matchmaker got £500, so I think you can get, like, a £1,000. I know some matchmakers obviously cost, but a lot of times, like, again, in my circles, and I know this is different for other people and other people who are listening, maybe like, well, what is she talking about? That's not true. But it's so <laughs> different in different circles. Um, in my circle, like normally, it's the parents who do most of the work or like sometimes they give a, just a bit of money to the matchmaker for helping and like doing the legwork for them. But they're not really like the, the, the person wanting to get married isn't like physically going to a matchmaker and like having interview questions it's more just like a helping hand so they get like a contribution rather than rather than like properly formally paying them does that make sense yeah I mean I think
0: I've heard that it's more of a if they get engaged they get a financial sort of gift
1: um, yeah and it can be really a big sums of money um, yeah no that is so a yeah. that is a Jewish concept to do that that's why my husband got it like it's it like it's it's a really big thing to do
0: Okay, so now for anyone who is listening and who was binging through Netflix during lockdown, there was a moment where a mini-series called Unorthodox was dropped and it became quite the talk of the town. Um, I know some Jewish people were quite concerned and somewhat disappointed in how the sort of ultra-Orthodox community was portrayed in this mini-series. However, I absolutely adored watching it and I found it really cool that this story was being shared in a guess a more mainstream and accessible way. Um, Just to give a bit of background in case people listening hadn't watched it, um, the story was basically about a Jewish girl um, who grew up in the Hasidic community in New York and she sort of decided to leave. and I just was really interested to know your thoughts on that, Jess, and, and just get sort of more of your opinion on 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 what what you thought about the series.
1: Do you know what? It's really hard for me to comment because obviously I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up in that community at all. I don't I don't now belong in that community at all. So I really don't want to sit here and say like, oh, it's a load of rubbish. It was completely dramatised because it definitely wasn't, and that was based on a real story. And that thing, that sort of thing, does obviously happen. But at the same time, yeah, it was a a show. It was, you know, it was really good entertainment. And the only thing that I'm concerned about with that show is I don't want everyone to think that that's how all Jews' experience Mm -hmm. is because it's really not and it is a minority. I don't know how much of a minority. Again, I'm not in that world. And a lot of people Mm. may go through that and keep it to themselves. I don't know. Um, I did really enjoy watching it. I thought it was really interesting and thought-provoking. Um, And it was really sad. It was really, really sad. And yeah, I don't have so much more to say on it other than I just hope people realise that that's not how a lot of Jews live their lives.
0: Yeah, no, of course. I totally hear that. And I think it is a really important sort of view of it, I guess. But um, I guess I just want to flag with everyone that this topic is obviously incredibly complex. And it will be impossible for Jess and I to cover it all in depth in this podcast. And like Jess has said throughout, you know, A lot of people have had different experiences um, in terms of dating in the sort of religious Jewish orthodoxy world. Um, But I guess, you know, these are just some interesting thoughts that we're talking about today. Um, So Jess, thanks so much for coming on and chatting. I guess we should end with sort of what would you say is your biggest piece of advice that you could offer to those who are going on these sort of blind dates through the agency and and those who are still out there in the dating world, what would you offer them?
1: Um, So I said this before the beginning, um, I touched on it, I think the most important thing is to know yourself, know your values, your goals, what's non-negotiable for you. And the other things that you're like, you know that are your preferences but not such a big deal like maybe age bracket or what color hair or eyes they have or how tall they are you know maybe like you can let that sort of go and it's a really good idea to have a list written down and don't be afraid to bring up your values and goals and what is non-negotiable for you on those dates and get into the real nitty-gritty conversations.
0: Amen to that thank you so much for coming on
1: Jess. Thank you for inviting me it was so fun.